Hello everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life, a radio ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and The Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work around the world and in our community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. And now we go to God's Word. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. Before Christ's crucifixion, the disciples were full of a fragile confidence in Him. But when told that one of them would betray Him, each one of them asked Him, Is it me? Apparently, they thought they could turn away from Jesus. After His death, they had lost all confidence in Him. They said, We had hoped that He had been the Redeemer. Jesus was now a had-been they had hoped in, but no longer. And then again, after the resurrection, their faith was conclusive. This Jesus was Lord and Christ, and they followed his commands unto death. And now you have to ask yourself, have you come to that radical conclusion yourself? Is he both Lord and Christ? The eleven disciples who sat at the table asking, Lord, is it I? Am I the one who's going to betray you? Of the eleven disciples who would not be stirred by the vision of angelic announcement to the women or dreams of good news stating that Jesus Christ was alive. Of these eleven disciples who at one time had concluded that they were wrong about the Lord Jesus and that he was not the redeemer of Israel. Of these eleven disciples, ten of them are going to die horrendous martyrs' deaths declaring the conclusive fact from which their faith went forward that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead, and therefore, here's your faith, he is the Savior of all men. He is the Messiah. So they died in the outer reaches of the world that they knew. This faith issued from the fact that Jesus had risen from the grave, that he had eaten with them, that they had touched him, touched him and he had touched them, and they had witnessed his ascension into heaven from among them to the very throne of God. And This is what explains the Massive transformation of the disciples from doubters and self-doubters and self-deniers or denying the reality of who Christ was to those who would deny themselves for the cross and for Christ and go wherever they felt he called them. They were not moved by his miracles. They were not moved by just his teaching and instruction, no matter how wise and good it was. They were not even moved by the wonder and the glory of his moral character, not alone by that. What moved them was the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and witnessing and seeing him. That changed their life, and that gave them a message to preach. Take your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's good for us to remind ourselves of these things. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says, I want to remind you what our gospel is. I want to tell you what the good news is that we're preaching to everyone and everywhere we go. You get this at the base. This is how I started with you, Corinthians. This is the good message I brought to you. This is the, ba- this is the good news. Verses 3 through 70 unfolds that good news. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, as the primary thing, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve, And after that he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, which tells you that the apostolic train was larger than just the 12 disciples. And last of all, he appeared to me also, as one that was abnormally born. What transformed them? What changed them? What's the progression? What transformed their lives? 
What has the power to transform your life is an understanding of this wonderful, profound fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Our faith rises from that. Let me make some applications here. Let me just briefly share with you what is the meaning of this gospel. It means this. It means that Jesus died for a purpose. It means that Christ died on the cross to accomplish something on our behalf. And it also means this. He accomplished. It's been accomplished. He proves the work that he was doing for us at the cross has been completely accomplished. And what he's accomplished, Romans chapter 1 verse 17 tells us. He was accomplishing a way for us to be made right with God. A righteousness with God was provided for us at the cross. That's what Jesus was doing. At the cross, he was engaged in exchange in which he would take all of our sins and he would then give us all of his righteousness in order to be before the presence of a holy God, to be received with him, to inherit eternal life, to live with him not only now but throughout all eternity. There's one thing required. You have to be righteous. You have to be righteous. But here's the problem. You're not in and of yourself. You're not righteous. To help you understand this, what I need you to understand is there's something completely different from your idea of what it is that makes you righteous and what makes God righteous. These are two totally different things. Your righteousness, your understanding of your own righteousness and God's righteousness. There's a difference between the two and it's not a difference of degrees. It's a difference. It's an entire difference. It's a difference of complete and utter separation. The way most people think of righteousness is like this. They think that righteousness or being a good person is kind of on a scale. And you know, you scale it up from really, really bad people to really, really good people. On one side of the scale, there's, you know, thieves and bank robbers. And on the other side of the scale, there's Mother Teresa, right? And you're somewhere in between. No, just a little above that is Jesus. And you're somewhere on that scale and you don't know how it works exactly. But your idea in your mind is there's some point on that scale if you get above it. You're good enough. God will accept you. You've risen to a degree high enough in righteousness and goodness that God can't deny you. And what you know is, at least I'm not as bad as that robber, right? I'm, I'm somewhere between there, and I think, I'm hoping that I'm on the right side of that scale. Now, there are other people that say, no, that's not it. It's not a matter of degrees. There's a perfect righteousness that is required. And so what I do is I do as good as I can and I become as righteous as I can, and I fill up that level because God requires perfect righteousness, and I work really hard to fill my life up with righteous things, and maybe I'm 40%, I'm 50%, I'm 60%. There are some really good people that are right towards the top, but we just can't get there on our own, and so Jesus, I believe in Him, and I'll take from Him, and my faith in Him will just give me that extra boost of goodness so I can get over the hump. Right? He'll fill it out. He'll match that little point and he'll take me from 60% to 100%. Then I'm good. So I'm resting in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, they'll say, but now nah, they're just kind of resting in it. A little bit of me, a little bit of him. And one person, it's all of me and I just got to reach a certain level. I just got to be good enough and I'll get to God that way. Another person says, no, that's not going to work. I can only get so far. I can only go so far. I'll have to have Jesus help me get the rest of the way himself. And the problem is they're thinking that you can mingle the righteousness of God with the righteousness of man. And here's what the Bible says about the righteousness of man. It says in Isaiah 64, 6, All our righteousness, all of it, is like filthy rags. It's polluted. It's poisoned. And you can't get the poison out of it. 
You can't extract it. It's a mixture that you'll never be able to separate. It's impure in every way and it'll never be pure. Your righteousness, what you produce in your own power and your own strength, it's unrighteous. All, listen, all our righteousness is like filthy rags. On the other side, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the righteousness that God calls for, is pure and unsullied and untainted and unpoisoned in every way. It's perfect in every way, completely and totally. And what Jesus Christ has come to do is he's come on the cross to receive into himself all of your righteousness, yours, what you produce. What you were counting on to get you to God. Your effort, your labor. He take all of that. You know what it was? There's another name for it. All your righteousness. It's unrighteousness. He took all of your tainted, sinful, broken, poisoned, good works and good deeds. And also all of your sins and all the things that you've done wrong. And he bore it all on himself upon the cross. Then in exchange, if you trust and believe in him... He comes to set upon you all of his unpolluted righteousness. All of your sin to his account. All of his righteousness to your account. No, Lord, let me help you out. Let me put my own two cents into this. No. All of me. All of me for all of you. So, the application to all this Jesus did accomplish something on the cross and he demonstrated that he accomplished it fully when he rose again from the dead. And what he accomplished was a way for us to be right with God. Right with God. Completely righteous in his presence. And this righteousness of Jesus Christ is for you. So now it's time to ask yourself a question, a serious question. Three choices. I'm going to just work my way out progressively and I'm going to gain it myself. I'll just kind of work myself up the scale from being a robber to being somewhere closer, approximating Mother Teresa, maybe even Jesus, right? And I've got to find that line. That's one, that's one choice. I'm going to be as good as I am and then again, I'll ask Jesus to help me, get me over the hump, right? It'll be my righteousness and some of his righteousness will get into God's presence. That's the second choice. Right? Third choice is none of me and all of him. It's got to be all his righteousness. All of his goodness, all of his provision, everything met at the cross, him taking all of my sin, all of my failures, all of the polluted righteousness and good works that I've tried to bring to him, he takes it all in exchange. He gives me all of his righteousness. And the, the question you have to ask yourself, have you received from the Lord Jesus all of his unpolluted righteousness for all of your polluted righteousness? Have you abandoned just the thought and the confidence. I think I can make this on my own. I think I can do it. Maybe with a little help from him. Two, I come before him completely and trust in his righteousness alone. It kind of works like this. So you come before the cross. And you come before the one who's died for your sins. And as you come into his presence, you've never come to him, you've never received him this way. You're in the land of the lost. You're in the place in the sentence of death. You're on Golgotha, the place where execution takes place. And here's one who's taken that execution on your behalf. And you come before him and you're clothed now in all your good efforts. and all you're taint, It's tainted. You've got your sin. You've got your good works. You've got your deeds, your religion, everything you've done. And you come before him and you look upon him and you realize that he's suffered for everything in your life. He suffered for all that you've done of sin, but even all the pathetic efforts you've done to be righteous in yourself. 
you see it and you realize it and you confess to him your sins and you confess to him that there is no way in yourself and by your own effort in any way that you can contribute to your own righteousness that he's done it all for you and in that moment what you do in essence is you take off and you disrobe and you throw the rags of all of your efforts and all of your sin and all of your sinful self-righteousness all of your polluted righteousness which is unrighteousness you take it all off and you're naked before him now what will you do have to be dressed with something. So you take from him by faith all of his righteousness, the wonderful glory of the one who loved in a loveless world, the wonderful glory of one who in a selfish world was self-giving in every way, the one in an ungracious world who was full of grace and truth, the one in a world where men deceive and lie and prop themselves up by falsehoods and half-truths who constantly said truly truly I say I'm good in every way perfect in every way glorious in every way accomplishing as a man what no man had ever done before and you take from him all this righteousness and you clothe yourself in his righteousness you recognize that upon him is laid all the robes of your unrighteousness and he suffers for those things and you're made whole this is the righteousness revealed in the good news of Jesus Christ. Have you gone to the cross of Jesus and received this gift of His righteousness alone? If not, why not? If not now, when? Thanks now for joining us at the Bread of Life. To contact us, go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links. Until the next time, may God bless you.